0: Have before us is a song of ascent. It is a what is called a psalm of pilgrimage. It was traditionally sung by the by the Israelites on their way to Jerusalem. And this one in particular, not all of them, but this one in particular was written by by David. We don't know the context in which it was written, we are not told there's a possibility that it was written on the occasion of, uh, to describe the, how the Lord uh, was on David and Israel's side on the occasion of Goliath's, Goliath's uh, insults. Or perhaps uh, the insane persecution of, uh, of Saul. Or even later on in, in David's reign, Uh, the conspiracy of Absalom. But in any situation, whatever it is, we don't know, it was penned in an occasion of great deliverance, which God brought uh, for David and his people from some very threatening danger that humanly speaking was where there was no hope Whether it was foreign invasion, whether whether it was uh, political unrest within, we are not certain. But what we know is that David was so affected by this one occasion of deliverance, by this one occasion of God's help, that he sought to write this psalm in order to affect and to make others stand in awe and wonder of the goodness of God in making a way for their escape. Either way, whatever it was, what is recorded for us in in Psalm 124 is that David was facing dangerous enemies, flooding deluges, wild beasts and deadly snares. And this should remind us as Christians that we too live in hostile territory, that we too are pilgrims and strangers in a foreign land, that we too are on our way to our homeland in heaven. And David begins this psalm by telling the people or by uh, rehearsing here, had not the Lord been on our side, had not the Lord been for us, had not the Lord been on our side. David says God's people, even though they, they have the, uh, that God's people have the Lord on their side. But as an implication of this, we also see that even though God's people have the Lord on their side, that they're not exempt or am immune to trouble, that, that we are not shielded in some kind of spiritual greenhouse from affliction. We do not live in a, in a summer camp, in a holiday camp, where everything is fine, and there is no trouble. It's all fun and games, and, and there is no trouble. As we see here, we do not have or are afforded immunity from trouble just because the Lord is on our side. We do not live, as I said, in a holiday camp, but we pilgrim and we sojourn through a desert full of thorny bushes. We do not tread on velvety uh, uh, carpets, uh, spiritually and, and figuratively, But we walk through torrid deserts. God's people are not spared from dangers. We are not immune from threats. When God is on our side, it does not mean that we will not face fire. It does not mean that we will not face a storm in our lives. What it means that God by God being on our side, is that we are delivered from storms and from fires. But nonetheless, we face them. Our security lies in the fact that God is on our side to aid us and to deliver us out of those things. And in Christ, we as believers, we can take comfort that as we read earlier in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not the devil, not the flesh, and not the world. Because ultimately we overcome. We are more than conquerors because God is for us. It might be a crude illustration, uh, a little bit coarse, but <laughs> this is what, what was on my mind as I read this first verse uh, when I was a kid that we, we used to play football in, uh, on recess uh, 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 in school. And if you have ten kids, you divide five against five. Uh, and there was always this one kid uh, that was heads and, uh, was above and beyond the, the capacity of any other kid uh, in our age group to play football. He went on to be a, football, a professional football player. And everyone knew that in whichever side he played... He, the victory was, was more than guaranteed. Even if he arrived late, uh, uh, he would join the losing side. And 10 minutes later, they were winning because he was just that good. And, and that's what it calls to mind when, when David says this about the Lord is on our side. The Lord is on our side. Let Israel say, had not the Lord been on our side, we would have been defeated. We would have been uh, stamped to the, uh, stomped to the ground. We would have been obliterated. But the crucial detail in all of this is that the Lord was on our side, that the Lord was for us. Who can be against us in those cases? So the Lord is for us, David begins the psalm. And then the rest of the psalm, up until verse 7, uh, he, he retells or he speaks of this, of this danger that they were facing. But these, this particular danger that David was facing teaches us something about the perils that we ourselves face in our pilgrim way. What are the dangers that we as pilgrims face in our life's journey? First, we find wild enemies. We find in verse 3, uh, those that would have swallowed us alive. God's people have always dealt with and will always in this side of glory deal with the fury of men. That is cannibalistic in a sense. It, 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 in their wrath, they, they are compared to, a, in Daniel 3, uh, to a fiery furnace Anger, the anger of of the world against God's people is never more fierce than when directed at God's people. When uh, their sparks become flames, there the furnace is turned up seven times when it's about to consume or to end with the seed of the godly. And were it not for God... Were it not for God being on our side, we would be swallowed up. We would be destroyed. Were it not for God defending us and being with us and for us, we would be obliterated. But when God is on our side, although they try, they cannot swallow although the, the, the fire is turned up to, to, to seven times, it cannot destroy. Although the, the attack and the opposition may come to us as, uh, as, as an earthquake rending the, the, the earth below us, wanting to swallow us up alive, it cannot, because God is on our side side. The prophet Jeremiah, he used this metaphor to speak of King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's attack on Judah. He said that, uh, Jeremiah 51, 34, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me. He has made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me up like a monster. He has filled his stomach with my delicacies. He has spit me out, but he has spit me out. Because the Lord is on our side, brothers and sisters. We are plucked out from the jaws of the enemy. Like a lamb is plucked from the jaws of a lion. We are rescued from the brink of ruin. So we face, firstly, wild enemies. Fierce enemies. We also face, verse 4 and 5, mighty torrents. The waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul, and then, then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. David here sees Israel oppo- Israel's oppressors and Israel's enemies as a tsunami, an impetus, uh, unstoppable torrent. You know, uh, we've seen pictures of that great tragedy that happened in, uh, was in 2004, when the tsunami hits. It's unstoppable. There's no uh, wall, unless it was hundreds of meters tall, that would stop such a great tsunami. And that's the picture given to us here, an unstoppable force coming for the destruction of God's enemies. This figure in scripture symbol uh, for the destructions of God, destruction of God's people by God's enemies, uh, and the figure, this figure in scripture is uh, often symbolizes the invasion of a of a, a foreign nation invading. Jeremiah 47 verse one to four we, uh, says that. That, behold, the waters rise out of the north and shall be an, an overflowing flood. Out of the north a nation is coming and it will be an overflowing flood. But at other times, it's not speaking of invasion of, uh, of um, geographical enemies. It's speaking about personal tragedies. Job speaks of his own personal tragedy as a tempest stealing him away in the night or even of, of spiritual persecution. In Revelation, it says that the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, the church, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And then we read, But the earth helped the woman. The Lord was on the side of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out, spewed out of his mouth. If our God were not for us up until now we would have certainly have been flooded away and we would have been reduced to nothing but praise God is on our side number 3 verse 6 we face as well not only wild enemies and tempests and mighty torrents but we face predatory beasts the language is here of a prey of a predator uh, with his teeth lurking, wanting to devour, and he states that had not been for the Lord, we would have been devoured, had not been for the Lord, we would have been eaten, swollen, alive, and God and David exalts God because he has not given his people Israel and to as a prey to their teeth. And lastly, number four, we face not only visible enemies, wild tempests, wild enemies, tempests and, and predatory beasts, but we face invisible snares. David here speaks in verse seven, "Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of fowlers. The snare is broken." And we have escaped. A snare is something that we don't see. Otherwise it wouldn't be very good of a snare. A trap is something that needs to be inconspicuous. And David states here that we are a bird. There is a snare. There is a capture. But there is also a deliverance. The snare for us might be a lot of things. The enemies for us might be a lot of things. I've been speaking mostly about enemies and oppression from uh, without, from outside. But sin, ourselves, we are our, in many ways our own worst enemy. Our sin, our pride, our lust. They, these, all, these things can be snares for us. And we cannot, as we read here, rid ourselves of these things by our own efforts... By our own power, if we are snared by it, it takes God and God's power, the creator's power to set us free. Or we will not escape. And it must be God to break the bonds of the snare or we will not be free. It must be God who sets us free or we will remain in captivity. And God has saved us. He saved our soul from the snare of fowlers. He broke our bonds and he delivered us from the devil, from the world, and from sin. And he made us a free people. And now David concludes with this verse, which is the verse of the year. And I'll I'll focus a little bit more uh, on this verse. He concludes this brilliantly by harping back to the theme of verse 1 that says that the Lord is present. He now uh, uses again or finishes by, by speaking of the Lord's help. He says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is at our side, he's on our side, and he is our help. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He is omnipotent, he is the God of covenant, he is our help. The enemies may be many, may be great, but God, and with God's help, we will be more than conquerors. The Creator of heaven and earth has the ability and the power to be a constant helper. He does not sleep or slumber, as I think uh, on some 120. One says, he will not allow your food to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The, the God who helps us is not a God like, uh, like a ma- helper, like many of the helps that we find in this world that, that is for a season. God is our constant help. And we are being reminded here that he is the helper, that we can entrust our souls because we are in the hands of a faithful creator. So the question for us, uh, and perhaps this is the more applicatory part of the sermon, is how does the Lord help us? How is it that the Lord helps us? Because it's very nice and very uh, easy to say that the Lord helps us. It's more difficult at times to discern the Lord's help. How is it? How can I see the hand of God helping me in my situation. How does the Lord. And why, and why does the Lord help us. Why, how will he help us. In 2023. Well. Sometimes. Brethren. The Lord helps us. By working everything. By doing it all. The Lord helps us. In a way that we don't do anything. Anything. You know, remember the words of Moses to the, to the people of Israel. Fear not, but hold your peace. Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of God. He will do it. Later on he says, you shall see, uh, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Many times we, the children of God, are brought to situations where seemingly all hope is gone where well, there is nothing that man can do so that the Lord might act. We are brought to those situations so that, they, that we can do nothing for ourselves but to commit our cause and our plight to God and say, God, I'm in your hands. Commit your way to the Lord, Psalm 142 says. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Many times. The Lord's help comes in that situation. There is a a record of Martin Luther speaking to someone who was very anxious about the future. Uh, A person who was very perturbed about the uncertainty of things to come. And Luther, all that he said to him is, your God, because this person was a Christian, he said to him, your God can do Anything and everything. Your God can do all things. Rest upon him. But sometimes the Lord helps us by assisting us. What do I mean by this? That sometimes as we endeavor in our work, as we labor, the Lord makes us fit and enables us to act and blesses our work by crowning it with success so that we can say, like Paul, yes, we worked, yet not we, but God's grace working in us, but the grace of God who was with us was working. In this, we also need to recognize God's help in this year to come. As we work and as we labor, we realize that we are crowned with success because the Lord is blessing us. For except the Lord build a house, those who labor, labor in vain to build it. But we build it nonetheless. So, brothers and sisters, in this year to come, uh, let us not take, oh the Lord is our help as an excuse not to work, but let us work. And let us look for God's assistance. Let us pray and let us labor. Another way you can look at how God helps us is by the use of means. Sometimes God blesses us by uh, means. By appointing means, by by telling us uh, and by giving us what to do. If he intends to have his people brought out of Babylon... He, he, he raises up a, a king named Cyrus. If he And sometimes we see God's help in the, in the appointing of these kind of helps, of means. If he intends Elijah to be fed, if God wants Elijah to be fed, he, he raises up the ravens to bring him food so that, so that he would not be uh, in want. There's many instances in Scripture of the Lord appointing means. And, and, and doing these things. But sometimes he also works without means, just miraculously, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God is not bound to the means and God can work outside of them as well. He can speak things and he can bring things miraculously, miraculously into, uh, into existence. And often we, the Lord, intends the frustrating of means to be a test on our patience so that then he would work without means. He can bring our help by means. He can bring our help by, uh, without them. And thirdly, he can bring help contrary to them. Where seemingly it is as we're looking for help Something comes along. That, that you say. This is precisely the opposite. Of what I needed. This is precisely the opposite. Of what, I, of what I wanted. This doesn't seem like. Very much help to me. And nonetheless. He is helping. I think the greatest example. Of this is when our Lord Jesus. Was going to the cross. For his glory. Uh, for his crucifixion. And and he says, it is, it is expedient for me to go. If I don't go, it's not good for you. But if I go, I will send the helper, the paraclete. I will send the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, it is important for me to go away. I will send you the comforter. Sometimes, God's help sends us a crosswind in our sailing through this life. Sometimes we're wanting to go that direction and God sends this crosswind that sends us the other direction. But you know what? It's that crosswind will nevertheless take us to good harbor and take us to the place where we should be. That's how... The Lord helps us with means, without means, or even contrary to means. But we see his help nonetheless. The question then is why? Why does God do this for us? We don't deserve it. We, don't, we haven't earned his help. We haven't uh, uh, done anything that makes us entitled to his help. For the creator of heavens and earth. To help us. Dust. For him to employ his power. In our helping. But nonetheless the Lord helps us. First of all because we are in covenant with him. Uh, The word covenant uh, is a word that shows up in scripture. uh, But it's a word that that it means alliance. And we've been talking uh, uh, over 2022 a lot about alliances haven't we nato is an alliance of nations and there's this is it article 5 or article 6 i don't know if you attack one you're attacking all of them but if you belong to to this alliance you you're friends with all of them and the this this word covenant this alliance that ex, that we are in with god Is precisely that. It is an alliance between Christ and his people. Christ's friends are our friends and Christ's enemies are our enemies. uh, Our enemies are Christ's enemies. There is uh, uh, an all-encompassing engagement of God on our behalf because we are in alliance with him. he shall call upon me and I will answer him God's promise and I will be with him in the day of trouble I will deliver and honor him and this is the promise that was made in Genesis 17 at the beginning of the covenant with Abraham the promise this alliance at the beginning of this alliance God is not man that he should lie. He said, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. The promise started there, the alliance, the covenant started there. But we are uh, helped uh, as well because we have a special relation uh, to Christ and to God. Christ is the believers head so if a foot is hurting if a if a fingernail is hurting if some part of the some member of the body is hurting will not the head engage and 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 cry out he who is our maker he's also the husband of the church is our father? Is our elder brother? We are one with Christ. That's why He helps us because of this uh, sympathizing element in Christ. He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, and He helps us, and He secures our help. For he that touches you uh, touches the apple of God's eye. You know the apple of, uh, of the eye is this very sensible thing that we protect. And that's what we are called. And that's why we are helped. Thirdly, we are helped because we trust in Him. That's the only way of God's help being with us. Uh, is If we trust in Him. The Lord is, uh, is our help. And he's, but he's only the help of those who trust in him. In Jeremiah, there's this uh, incident uh, of King, uh, I'm going to try, Abed-Malek, the Ethiopian. And he's uh, helped by the Lord. And what the Lord says, because you have put your trust in me. That's why he was helped. God's honor is to help those who honor or trust him. We know this from common sense in our our world. If someone who is very uh, um, uh, capable has someone putting trust in him, that person, a person who is rich, a person who has contact, you, you want to help if you're able to and if you're willing to. Because you want to honor that person's trust in you. Oh, so-and-so, I need to do this because so-and-so trusts me. Because so-and-so is relying on me. If man is able to do that, how much more God will do it? And finally, God helps us. Because in his providence, all the affliction that we face, all the troubles, all the tribulations, all the places of helplessness that we find ourselves in, are brought about by him in his good purposes so that he may get the glory in helping us. So he helps us because those things are meant and designed to bring us to our knees so that we would put our trust in him so that he would be our provider and our help and all our hope would be stayed upon him. Speaking of the, of the people of Israel, the Lord said this, For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. The Lord brings us to that, to that place and so that he would have compassion with us. He brings us lower so that he would have the greater glory in delivering us. For great is, so that we would cry out as David, for great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the lowest pit. It is so true, brothers and sisters. When we are brought low, we are closest, or we have. A much richer experience of God's goodness in our difficulties. Hosea 2 verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, I will bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak comfort to her. That's what the Lord does. That's why the Lord does it. And we should mark it. We should remember it. We should raise uh, as, as Samuel Ebenezer's hitherto or until here uh, by your help we've come. Because these things mark for us and, and keep uh, and recorded by us and kept in our memory are what keeps us going. It is that, that time when God delivers just in time, when the, God's help comes at such a time and not another one, is where uh, time would be as perfect as the time that he, that he undertakes for us. And it's those markings and it's the memory of those things that, that raises up our spirits, that, that gives us that sense of, of, yes, we are more than conquerors. No matter what comes. No matter what the next fire will be. No matter what the next storm uh, will look like. Doesn't matter. Because the Lord is there. Many times the Lord helps his people. in, In ways. That when we experience it. It gives us this. Sense of. Invincibility, not of our own selves, but this sense of all is well with my soul, like the, the hymn writer says, to, it is well with my soul. Even when, when storms like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, it is well with my soul because you are with me. It is good for our souls to, to see how they are answers to prayers. It is good for our souls to, to see how uh, many times God's help comes because we prayed. Because we asked for it. Because we, we bowed our knees in, in, in search for, for, for the answer. It is good for us to mark and, and, and to 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 record in our memories God's help because oftentimes it shows us that His promises do not fall into a a, a, a bag that has a hole in its bottom. That His promises are yes and amen in Christ, and that that as um, it was said uh, by Joshua, that. Uh, upon the, the occasion of his death that not one word uh, that was spoken by the Lord has, has failed. That not one of the good things that the Lord has, has, uh, has spoken uh, has not come to pass. All have come to pass. And it is true. And that's why we should record it so that the next time we see promises in Scripture like our help is from the Lord who made the heavens and earth, we go, I've experienced this. I've known this to be true all the days of my Christian life. I know it will be true all the remainder of them. So why should we do it as well? Why should we record these experiences? Three points. And, I, and I'll close uh, with this. We should mark it because we owe it to God. God so often uh, tells us that we should record and we should mark and we should count our blessings and we should know them because it is good for us, but because it is honoring for him as well. We are to remember his marvelous works that he has done, says the word of God, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. In Jeremiah, you find that one of the things that is very grieving to God and to the Spirit is that the, the, the bride uh, that, that forgets her garments. Let us not be like the, 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 the bride that forgets her attire. Let us not be like the people of God of the Old Testament who uh, forgotten Him days without number. We owe it to Him. In gratitude, to remember, to see his help, to raise a stone of Ebenezer. We owe it to him to see and to mark and to know, even when things are going bad. Otherwise, we will be in despondency the rest of, my, of, our, of our lives. You know where the valley of Achor is? Or you know, have you heard of the valley of Achor in, in, in Scripture? There's this valley, that's where uh, Achan was uh, stoned to death because of his sin. And it was a very, uh, Achor aff- means affliction, the valley of affliction. Uh, and the word of God says in Hosea that the valley of Achor is a door of hope. That the valley of a core, the valley of affliction, is a door of hope. That the places where we find ourselves in affliction are places where there is a, a door towards hope. But we need to mark his goodness in helping us. It is good for our souls as well. It is obedience to God, but we owe it to ourselves as well. As I said, it is remembering that God has helped us in the past, that will keep us from despondency, from, from, a, from a becoming uh, bitter and, and, and anxious. It is remembering the, the, the favor of God in our life, in days past, that will enable us to revive our hopes, to find that door of hope when we are going through the valley of a core. It is kind of like with Jacob. Uh, we receive a blessing in, Joseph, in having a son, Joseph. But, we, but there is more blessing. We receive a mercy. But we need, to, we need to mark that mercy because we know that from that mercy flows other mercies. And, again, and finally, we owe it to others. We should mark and we should know God's help because it helps others. As a younger man, who doesn't have the breadth of uh, of life experience, as uh, most of you, it is refreshing to me to hear of the experience of older uh, believers. To hear them retell their story of how the Lord has helped them. And that's one of the things why it is important for us to mark, to record uh, to raise a Ebenezer throughout this year and throughout our lives of the Lord's help. It is the memory of, of brethren that raises the soul of those who perhaps haven't gone through those kind of things yet. But when you go through them, you go, the Lord knows. And the Lord has helped my brother in a particular similar uh, cir- circumstance. He can help me as well. So we owe it to others to mark, to record, to tell, to let them hear how we were as well plunged into same circumstances. But how can we tell them if we don't mark them, if you don't, if you don't remember, if we don't raise an Ebenezer in those places? Finally, brethren, the verse of the year says our help is from the Lord, in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It is impossible. It should be impossible. It, it is it is unfortunately a, a, very, uh, a very real possibility, but it should be impossible for us to despair. If we're thinking straight, it should be impossible for us to lose hope. When we remember that our helper for 2023 is the maker of heavens and earth. He is the omnipotent God. And yes, we might find ourselves with going through difficulties, going through affliction. God never promised to take that away. But we know that he will save us. If it were not so, we would be in hell by now. But he is able and he is willing and he does steer us and sometimes we may have a sad leak in our ship uh, to continue the analogy of seafaring but nonetheless the ship will not sink. The grounds for our, for our hope is that our help is not in man that our help is not in in, uh, in anyone else but our help is in the almighty God, the creator of heavens and earth, that he is our ally, that we are in covenant with him, that he is for us and with us, that he is fighting for us, and that indeed he has already won the ultimate victory for us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can trust that God uh, God in present trials and in future trials because we know that he is for us. Because Christ is our head. So when you have no helpers. In this year to come. If you find yourself with no helpers. God will be your help. Trust in him. See all your help in him. But if you see yourself with many people around you to help. See God in all their help. When you have nothing. Nothing. But God, see everything you have in God. But if you have everything that you could have needed and that you could have wanted in this year to come, to come, see God in everything, under all conditions. May this be the profession of your heart. Our help, my help, is in God, the Maker of heaven and earth. 2023 lies in God's caring hands. This year that now starts, it's in his hands. And he is our help. And by his name we will be protected. So we need not fear. After all, he's the maker of heaven and earth. And he's in full control over all things. Amen.